Amen. Grab your Bibles and turn with me. Remain standing for just a moment. Matthew chapter number 12. Matthew chapter number 12. I am so glad. I am so glad he first loved me. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. He he took the initiative. He came to me when I couldn't get to him. Somebody say amen. I want to thank you for all your prayers last week, being sick and and under the weather and all that. Thank you for all the, the messages and prayers and home remedies and everything. God is good. Amen. 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 While the choir finds their place, and you find Matthew chapter number 12 is where we stopped last time, I want to invite everyone that would like to. We're going to go back to the Holy Land in December, the first week of December this coming year. And if you've thought about doing that, it is a trip of a lifetime. I promise you, a trip of a lifetime. Uh, we'll baptize in the Jordan River. We'll, we'll do communion in the garden tomb area. And uh, I promise you, it'll be something you'll talk about the rest of your life. Uh, I'm going to be getting brochures in next week on that. So you be praying about that and thinking about that. And I promise you, uh, you'll be glad you did. If you found your spot, say amen. amen. If you're glad of that, say amen. amen. All right, we are in verse number 22. That's where we stopped last time. And just as a little brief uh, update to where we are, we know we've been studying the book of Matthew, and Matthew is the book of the king. Say that with me, the book of the It is portraying the Lord Jesus as the king. He is the king that was promised all throughout the Old Testament. The king that would come. We saw the king and his forerunner, which is John Baptist, his prophet. Amen. And we learned about all the things that that, that we have seen so far in the book of Matthew is saying he is the king. His pedigree says he's the king. His prophet says he's the king. His power says he's the king. Listen, Nicodemus said, ain't nobody can do what thou doest except God be with him. Amen. He's the king. And, and, and so Jesus has presented all the evidence to the nation of Israel, all the evidence that he is the promised Messiah. He is the one that God said would come. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now it's up to the people to either accept him or now, so far, we, we, we have saw rejection. They've rejected, they've rejected his prophet. They called John Baptist a demon. They said he's got a devil. All right? They rejected his principles. They, they don't believe in his teachings. They have rejected his person. They called Jesus a wine-bibber and a glutton. So they've rejected Jesus' person. Well, today, we're going to talk about, really, the final rejection. The rejection of his power. And more specifically, of the Holy Spirit. How many of y'all have ever heard of the unpardonable sin? How many of y'all have heard the unpardonable sin is suicide? Not one single biblical scripture says that. Not one. And by the way, it's not. It's not. And we're going to see what is it. What is, the un- what is the sin that can never be forgiven? And Why? Why can it never be forgiven? That's what we're going to talk about today. All right. Verse number 22. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. And he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed, the common people. They said, is not this the son of David? This has got to be him. This has got to be him. Now watch what the Pharisees, this wicked religious crowd Jesus has been dealing with. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. In other words, he's just doing it by the power of Satan. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought into desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? If I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? This is a, this is a very, very important verse. 
He that is not, now let's just all read it since it's so important. Let's all read verse 30 in concert. He that is not with me is and he that gathereth not with me. Wow. Wherefore I say unto you, all, how much? All. all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, that's talking about Jesus and his humanity, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him. Neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Don't ever tell somebody you got a good heart, you just got a potty mouth. I've heard people, oh, I'm a good person. I just, out of your heart comes out your mouth. Anyway, just, 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 just simmer on that a little bit. A good man, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth what? Good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth what? Evil things. But I say unto you, I say unto you, boy, we need to, mm, let's all read this one too. Verse 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Idle means worthless. Means good for nothing. Now I'm going to apply this. I'm going to apply this so everybody gets this. If we're going to give account to God for every worthless word we speak, I think we're going to give account to God for every worthless word we type on social media. For by thy, I'm coming, I'm coming. <clears throat> For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your blessings, your mercy. I thank you for the, the privilege it is to be in your house. Please help me deliver your word. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. But Lord, don't let me forget anything I should. This is your precious word, and I pray that I will explain it in a way that we all can understand. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Listen, before you post, while we're on it, the first question you need to ask yourself, the first question you need to ask yourself, is this any of my business? Come on, say it with me. Come on. 98% of the time, That'll stop the rest of your posting. Is this any of my business? If it's none of your business, don't post. I, I, I see people all the time posting about all the drama in their life. Most of your drama is self-inflicted. Is this any of my business? Right? Stay out of it. Secondly, is this going to produce good? Is this going to produce good? Say, why should I mess with any of my business? Well, according to the book of Proverbs, the Bible says you're like the man that grabbeth the dog by the ears. That's what it says. Meddling with strife that doesn't belong to you, you're grabbing the dog by the ears. And if you've never grabbed a dog by the ears, let me explain how that works. Now what do I do? Because if I let go, he's mad and he's going to eat me alive. Are y'all with me? Is this going to bring good? Is this going to bring good? Uh, I, I've, I've found this out. Most of the criticism that I see 
on Facebook or social media is from somebody putting someone else down to try to make them look better. And another thing, when somebody messes up in life, don't go sharing it. Now, I'm talking to church people. If you're a guest today, you're a visitor today, just ignore this because I don't know what you're doing. But I've been seeing some of my people sharing somebody else's sin or, or, or failure in their life. We have no business doing that. The Bible says that love covereth a multitude of sins. Anyway. See, I had too much time while I was sick to see all that junk. Some of y'all have me blocked, and that's fine. You need to do that. Because I don't want to see it. The last thing you should be doing is sharing somebody else's failure. And then talk about it. Christian, you forgiven sinner? You forgiven sinner? Have you forgot that you're a sinner too? Anyway, I'm still on medicine. <clears throat> Amen. Let's be careful with our words. Let's make sure and stay out of other people's business. I don't know about y'all, but I got enough problems myself. Amen. 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 Verse 22. Let's get, get busy. <clears throat> Every idle word, people. That every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. That should be enough for us to keep our mouth shut right there. Amen. Amen. What happens happens when you cannot refute truth? What's the old standby? We've been watching enough politics here in the last few months. What do you do when you cannot refute truth? You lie. You lie. That's exactly what we just read. That's what we just seen. The Pharisees see Jesus perform a miracle that cannot be denied. You cannot deny what he just did. And even the people, the common people had enough sense to know this has got to be him. They said, is not this the one we've been waiting on? Is this not the Messiah, the Christ? This has got to be him. And this is what they say. Oh, no, 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 no. This cannot be. He is just casting out the the demons by Beelzebub, by Satan. What is he doing? They're denying, they're rejecting his power. Say that with me. They're rejecting his, his power. His power was evidence that he was who he said he was. And he was getting that power from the Holy Spirit. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, let me give you three things to look at here in this. We're really going to hunker down on number three, but let me just, let's just teach through these verses so we can get a good understanding of it. This is what happens. Number one, I want you to see the logical argument. Jesus, he begins to, he begins to respond to their criticism. He begins to respond to their rejection with a logical argument. He said, let's just be, let's, let's be real about this. Look what he says. Verse number 25. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. So verse 25a, you're writing notes down, write this down. First, he lays out the facts. Okay? He lays out the facts. Say that with me. He lays out the facts. He said, let's think about this. Let's, let's, Let's really be reasonable about this. He gives them a logical argument. He said, this doesn't even make sense. Let me tell you how stupid your argument is. If a kingdom is fighting against itself, it will fall to desolation. This doesn't even make sense. A kingdom, even someone's own house, if it's divided against itself, it will not make it. Hey, guys, all marriages and all partnerships, we can look at that and get a lot of, a lot of good information right there. We got to be together, right? We have to have unity in the church. We have to be together on what we're trying to do. We cannot be divided. You can't have two ideas and two agendas going on. There must be unity. Say amen. Amen. He says this isn't even logical. This doesn't even make sense. So first he lays out the facts. Then secondly, he shows them the folly of their argument. He shows them the folly of their argument. Verse 26. He said, if Satan cast out Satan... He is divided against himself. 
How shall then his kingdom stand? In other words, why would the devil cast himself out? Now, we look at that and it sounds humorous. But think about the argument. They cannot, they cannot refute the power of what he's doing, so they are lying. And so Jesus just lays out the facts. Your argument doesn't even make sense. Does this make sense? He says, he says look at the folly. Satan's not going to cast out himself. Satan is not going to work against himself. It will cause his whole kingdom to fall apart. This doesn't even make sense. Look at the, look at the third one. Look at the third one, the very next verse. <clears throat> he says this, and not only that, verse 28, but if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, if I, let me, let me back up, let me back up and do verse, verse 27. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your, your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. In other words, there was, there was, uh, there was Jewish exorcists that ex- existed in that day that had some sense of power to be able to cast out devils. Now, they would never dream of saying that they were doing that by the power of Satan. Yeah. They wouldn't do that because they were their kind. Yeah. They, basically, they're on their team. Right. They were a part of their political party. So they would never say, they would never say that they were doing it that way, but yet because it's Jesus, y'all with me? But because it's Jesus, and Jesus saying, all right, well then how are they doing it? Now you got to either say, you got to either say we're both right or we're both wrong. But you can't say they're doing it by God and I'm doing it by Satan. It don't work that way. That's when, you remember when we read, uh, uh, either make the fruit good and the tree good or the tree bad and the fruit bad. You got, you can't have it both ways. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. So he's dissecting their argument and showing them the foolishness of their argument. Now he starts to get personal. Now he starts to get really, really direct and, and really convicting. Watch what he says next. He said, listen, and the most important thing. Verse 28, but if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, capital S, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. In other words, he's saying, first, it's not even logical, the argument you're presenting. It doesn't even make sense. Satan is not going to cast himself out. If you with me, say amen. amen. And if that's the case, then I have done this by the Spirit of God and by the power of God. And if I've done this by the Spirit of God, then I am who I say I am. The kingdom you've been waiting on, the king that you've been waiting on, the promised Messiah you've been waiting on, what you are seeing is proof that the kingdom of God is here. Now, here's the thing. He totally destroyed their argument. He totally destroyed their rejection. He said, I am who I say I am. The proof is in the pudding. Now watch the second point. And this is, this is where we really need to, we, we, we all need to perk up right here, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I need every person in the room, every person in the room, please focus on what I'm fixing to say in these next few verses. Because this is critical. We have a lot of people in church. We have a lot of people in church that come and there's various degrees of commitment. There's various degrees of commitment. There are people here that are sold out to God and they want to serve God with all of their heart and they want to bring people to God with all of their being and all that they have in them. They want to see God's kingdom grow. And then we've got people that that, that kind of love God. Uh, I think they love the the fact that they're going to go to heaven, uh, but but they've got their own agendas and we're kind of, we're not really committed, but we're not out. We kind of love hanging out. And then we've got people that are here because you're supposed to be here or because because your spouse is making you be here and, 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 and you can take it or leave it. In every single service, it's that way. But Jesus has something here to say about that. He says, if I am who I say I am, if I am the king and the promised one, look what he says, the very next verse, look in, look in verse number, verse 30, verse 30. And by the way, verses 28 and 29 explain to him, it says that if I am who I say I am, 
and he is. He says, how else can he enter into the strong man's house? The strong man is Satan. Spoil his goods. In other words, take back, take back and bring, bring this man, which is the soul of this man, except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil out. In other words, this man could not stand here and be able to speak and be able to see and be able to hear and be in perfect health and the demons out of him unless first I had the power to bind Satan. If that makes sense, say amen. And so you've seen power, which is evidence of who I say I am. Now watch this next verse. Let's all read it together. Verse 30. When you're there, say amen. amen. Let's all read together. He that is not is and he that gathereth not with me. Now, now, now look at number two. I want you to see first we saw the logical argument. Can everybody see the logical argument? I mean, Jesus totally dismantles their argument and their accusation. He totally dismantles their rejection. And now he is getting in their face. And he's saying there's a decision that's got to be made. And there is, a, there is an assessment that is made. And this is number two, the Lord's assessment. This is where we have to really understand and we really have to focus on what God is saying. How is God describing, how is God describing our relationship? How is God describing our relationship? And I want you to think about your own relationship with the Lord. First, he says this. First, he says this. Let me read the first part. He that is not with me is, let me say it again. He that is not with me is, against me. First, he, he, he describes the myth of neutral ground. The myth of neutral ground. Listen, the gospel is not something that you can take it or leave it. There is no neutral ground in this battle of good and evil. There is none. And you say, well, I'm just not that religious, but I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not against God, but I'm just not. No, 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 no. You don't understand. Jesus is saying you have to pick sides. You have to choose what side you are on. There is no neutral ground whatsoever in the kingdom of God. You're either for me or you are. There's no neutral ground. There's no neutral ground. There's no such thing, there's no such thing as neutral ground when it comes to the body of Christ, when it comes to the gospel, when it comes to heaven and hell. There is no middle ground. There is no other place. Every single person that is born and has a soul, they're going to live forever, either in heaven or in hell. There's no other place. There's no neutral ground. You're either for him or you are against him. You're either his friend or you're his enemy. Well, preacher, that's kind of, I didn't say it. What color is your writing in your Bible? Who said it? Jesus. Jesus. You're either for me or you're against me. Now, I know what a lot of y'all are thinking. I know what a lot of y'all are thinking. Man, I'm here every Sunday. It's obvious I'm for him. Let me ask you a question. Are you for him or are you for heaven? What do you mean? What's the difference? There's a big difference. Are you here because you love Christ and you want to worship Christ and you want to honor Christ today? Are you here because you're so thankful that he delivered you from the power of death and he's made your home in heaven? Or are you just here so you won't go to hell? Are you here to try to make sure that you have a ticket to glory? You're not really all about his kingdom. You're not really all about whatever, uh, you know, his, his rules and, 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 and his way of living and all of that, you just don't want to go to hell. There's a difference. Are you for him? Do you love him? Or are you just in a habit of showing up because this is the religious thing to do? I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you can, you can decide if, you can, you, can, you can see. How, how do I determine that? 
You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. And if we love him, his commandments are not grievous. If it, if it bothers you to live right, if it's incredibly difficult for you to live the Christian life, now I'm not talking about temptation and I'm not talking about struggles. Everybody's got temptation and everybody's got struggles. But I'm just telling you, it is very, very difficult for you to do right, then something is wrong. If they have to bend your arm behind your back to get you to show up to church, something is wrong. Nobody, nobody has to bribe me. Nobody has to beg me. Nobody has to, listen, put a gun to my head for me to give my wife some sugar. Nobody. Matter of fact, you had to put a gun to my head to keep me from giving her some sugar. You know why? I love that woman. I love that woman. That's the worst part of being sick. That she had to stay away from me. And apparently she didn't stay too far away because she got sick too. Amen. <laughs> hey, what can I say? You with me? I mean, is it really that difficult to come to church where you're supposed to come and love on the one that you're supposed to be in love with? To come and sing praises? Hey, let me just tell you, Jesus said it, I didn't. You're either or... I know, I know some of y'all are thinking, yeah, I love coming to church. I love coming to church. I'm good, preacher. Wait, wait, wait. He didn't finish. He didn't stop. He didn't stop. First, he said, you're either for me or now, Now, most of us would have been in good shape if he had just stopped right there. Because church is something we kind of enjoy, right? I mean, we come in here and we sing and and we have a good time and we, we fellowship and, 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 and right? Yeah. I mean, it's become an activity that we, we kind of look forward to and we enjoy. Not necessarily because we love him so much. We just like doing it. Right. But then he says this. Oh, mercy. Yeah. On, Look what he says. Look what he says. He that gathereth not. He that gathereth not with me, what's he doing? Scatters abroad. You see, the Lord destroys the myth of neutral ground, but he also destroys the myth of neutral involvement. Write that down. The myth of neutral involvement. Now let's think about this. Jesus, and everybody look at me because there ain't nothing else to write down for a minute. So just focus and pay attention. Jesus came to this world. And this is what he said. He said, I came to seek and to save. Say it with me. That which was lost. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. So could we, could we take by that statement? And then, he, and then he tells the disciples, he said, if you will follow me, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to follow me, I'll make you to become fishers of men, right? Right? So if he came to seek and to save that which was lost, and the people that are going to follow him are going to help him find men, find lost souls. What is going to be their agenda? What is going to be their goal? What is going to be their work, their service, their, their commitment to Christ to help him? What's the word? What's the word is used in this verse? To help them gather. To help them gather. Now, now, now stay with me now. This is going to be convicting. It really is. It's, I'm telling you, it's just, it's going to be tough. But you got to understand. He is saying this. If you are not helping me to, then all you're doing is. I, I love God and I go to church, but I don't ever tell anybody about it. I'm there every time the doors are open, but I've never brought anybody with me. I don't share my faith. That's too embarrassing. I'm afraid to do that. Well, this is what the Bible says. If you're not helping him gather them in, all you doing are. You know what that means? 
if you're not actively helping to build this church, you are actively helping to destroy it. Now, I'm going to tell you, when I first read that, I was like, come on now. I mean, just because they're not really helping to gather, that doesn't mean they're... I didn't say it. Jesus said There's no neutral ground in involvement either. Not just neutral ground in how you stand with God... But there's no neutral involvement. You're either helping him build or you're helping him tear it down. You're either going forward or you're going. That's kind of tight, isn't it? Richard, what are you saying? We need to all, we need to all do an inventory. And see where we stand with God. Amen. Do you know what? Do you know what I'm seeing with the the, the baby Christians that are that are getting saved in, in in micro church, and we're teaching them to go share their story. We're teaching them to tell what God's done for you. You know what? One of the first things they always want to do, they always want to go tell somebody so they can get it too. Yeah. Right. And I'm not just talking about the older ones. I'm talking about teenagers. Teenagers are going back to school and saying, listen, let me tell you something. And there is a desire in them to do that. There's a desire in them to what? To gather. Do you have a desire to gather? Do you have a desire to tell somebody what Jesus has done for you? If not, there's a problem. If we're not actively gathering, according to Jesus, we are what? Scattering. I don't know about y'all, but I don't want that said about me. I want to be for him. And I want to help bring people to him. And all God's people say it. And it gets worse. It gets worse. What's the first word of verse 31? Oh, three quarters of you mad already. You ain't going to read no more. Verse 31, first word. Now, you remember what we said the word wherefore or therefore is therefore. He said, because of that, because of that, look what he says. I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. Now, if we stop right there, if we stop right there, that would be very, very, it's not would be, it is. I don't know about y'all, but I am so glad to know that no matter what sin has ever been committed by any person in this room, it can be forgiven. There's no lie too big. There's no sin too big. There's no sin that's been committed too long that cannot be forgiven by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said this, anything done against me, the son of man. And by the way, what did they do? They nailed him to a cross. That's a pretty grievous sin, wouldn't you agree? But what did he say? Forgive them. And you know what that teaches me? That there were people who nailed Jesus to the cross that finally believed and got saved. There were people that called him a glutton and a wine-bibber. There were people that were yelling, crucify him, crucify him, that was standing there on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached his sermon, and they said, what must we do to be saved? And they believed and got saved. Their sins could be forgiven. Their blasphemy could be forgiven. Peter, or not Peter, uh, the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul admitted, he confessed that he was a blasphemer. He said nasty things against Jesus. He said, I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And he said, I have been forgiven. Say amen. And I'm so glad for the forgiveness of God. I'm so glad for the grace of God. I'm so glad that the Bible says where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. In other words, there'll always be more grace than there is sin. Somebody say amen. But let's see what he says. He keeps on, he keeps on reading. All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But, 
But the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Whatsoever, whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, he's a winebibber, he's a gluttonous, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Now, I always thought that that, that verse meant that talking about the, 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 the next world, talking about eternity, talking about in heaven. That's not what it's talking about. The world to come is the world of grace. You see, they're living in the, under the law. And there's going to come a time at Pentecost when Jesus dies on the cross that we move from operating in the law to operating in grace. Somebody say amen. amen. There's going to be the age of grace. We are living in the age of grace right now. Things are different now than they were in the Old Testament and we better all be thankful. In other words, he's saying there is, going to be, there is going to be a sin that is committed that is not going to be forgiven now and it's not going to be forgiven then. What in the world does that mean? What is, it, what is the, the sin against the Holy Spirit that is so grievous and it, and it is so vile, it is so, it is so awful that, that God chooses not to forgive that particular sin? What does it mean? All right, let's look. <clears throat> Let's look. I want you to see number three. Why can this sin not be forgiven? We saw number one, the logical argument. Say that with me. Number one, we see the... Number two, we see the... The Lord's assessment. You're either for me or you are... You're either gathering with me or you're scattering abroad. Number three, I want you to see the last attempt. The last attempt. What does that mean? What does that mean? The Holy Spirit is the final witness of salvation. I need everybody to get that. This is so important that we get this. Say this with me. The Holy Spirit is the final witness of salvation. Say it again. When the leaders rejected John the Baptist... They were rejecting the father who sent him. Now now keep that in your head. When the leaders rejected John the Baptist, they were rejecting the father who sent him. When they rejected Jesus, they were rejecting the the son. So, so far, they've rejected God the father. Now they're rejecting God the son. Now let's keep reading. But when they rejected the ministry of the apostles, they rejected the, and that is the end. There is no more witness. They've rejected the father. They've rejected the son. And now they're rejecting the Holy Spirit. Such rejection cannot be forgiven. Why? There's no other witness. There's no other witness. Such rejection cannot be forgiven. It is the Spirit, say it with me, it is the Spirit who bears witness to Christ and who convicts the lost sinner. Look in John 15, 26. But when the Comforter, we know the Comforter is the Holy Spirit, say amen. When the Comforter has come, what's he going to do? Whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit, capital S, that means he's the Holy Spirit, right? Even the spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall, come on, he shall of me. In other words, the Holy Spirit will always point you to Jesus. In other words, when you're reading your Bible, when you're reading your Bible, the Holy Spirit on the inside will keep pointing you to Jesus. Will keep telling you He's the Savior. He will forgive you of your sin. His blood can wash your sin white as snow. The Holy Spirit will testify of Jesus. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Listen, the creation, God created this world. And the Bible says that the creation is witnessing that there is a God. Are y'all with me? The scriptures have been sent to tell you that there is a God. Jesus came and said, here I am. 
Jesus testified of his own that he is the Messiah. And you can reject the the evidence from the creation. You can reject Jesus. But the last witness to come to you is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will point you to Jesus. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch what the Holy Spirit will do. John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter, which we know is who? The Holy Spirit will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, this is what he's going to do. He will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. In other words, the last witness we have of the truth is the Holy Spirit. The last witness we have is the Holy Spirit. The last evidence we have is of the Holy Spirit. Now flip your page and look at this next verse. Hebrews 2.3. Hebrews 2.3. How shall we escape How shall we escape if we neglect so great what? Salvation. Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Now look at Hebrews 10. This is where we're going to draw it all together. Now pay attention right here. For if we sin willfully, in other words, that particular sin is the sin of rejection. If we say no, when we've heard the gospel, when we've heard the truth, when we've been given an opportunity to accept him or reject him, to be for him, not against him. If we choose to say no, if we choose to reject him like those leaders are doing. Now keep in mind this whole chapter is stemmed around their rejection of the king. Amen? It says, if we do that, if we do that after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifices for sin. Let me, let me put it this way before I read the rest. <clears throat> let's just say, let's just say we're all sick. Let's just say we're all sick. Okay. We're all sick. This is the only cure. This is the only cure. Say it with me. This is, what does that mean? What is it? What, if this is the only cure, what does that mean? There's no other cure. This is not complicated. If this is the only cure, then that means there is no other cure. Brother John is here. <clears throat> Come on, Brother John. Now, now stand here with me. Stand here with me. <clears throat> All right, this is, the, this is the last cure. I said the Holy Spirit is the last witness. The Holy Spirit is the last witness. Now, if Brother John's sick and he's going to die, and the only cure is this, and I offer this to you, the Holy Spirit is offering you this, and you say, No. You say no. Then, then guess what? There is no other cure. So his condition, his condition is not fixable. If, watch this now. If he rejects the last cure, the last witness, there's no... It's not, the sin is not unforgivable because it's so bad. It's because there's no other cure. Does this make sense? Look what it says. Look what it says in this verse. If we reject this, if we reject the truth, the last cure, the only cure, there is no other cure. Watch what it says. There remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. 
There's no other cure that will bring salvation but what Jesus did on the cross and the Holy Spirit is here to tell you that's Him. Does that make sense? Now watch, now watch. What's left? If we reject the Holy Spirit when He convicts us of sin, when He convicts us of our need for Jesus, what's what's left? If we reject the last witness, if we reject the last cure, What's left? Verse 27. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. How much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant which, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing. Watch this now. And hath done despite unto who? The Spirit of grace. The word despite means to insult. It means to insult. In other words, let's just say I'm the Holy Spirit. I'm offering John forgiveness. I am pointing him to Jesus, the blood of the covenant. The sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. I'm telling you, this is the only way. This is the way of salvation. This is the way of deliverance. This is the way of forgiveness. This is the way to escape darkness and escape hell and make it to heaven. And if he says no, then how much sore punishment? What has he done? He's insulted the spirit of grace. Do you, you, hear how, you hear how the Spirit is described here? The Spirit of grace. I'm coming to you in grace. I'm not asking for anything. I'm not expecting anything from you. I'm coming and I'm offering the free salvation from God. The Holy Spirit is offering you grace and forgiveness and mercy. And when you say no to grace, you're insulting The Holy Spirit. And when you say no to the only remedy for your condition, that can never be forgiven. Now watch. What did we say the Holy Spirit was? The last what? Come on. Witness. The last witness. Where did that take place? Where did that take place? Jesus is done going to be with glory. Right? What happens on the day of Pentecost? Who came? And you know what he did when he came? He showed out. He poured out himself on every believer. And they began to have miracle power. And it was evidence that the the early Christians were who they said they was, and they were come from God. The Holy Spirit was the last witness. The Holy Spirit was the last evidence. And if you choose to reject the wooing of the Holy Spirit, that can't be forgiven. And and here's here's the reason. Because there's no other way. The blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is the rejection of His call. You are are doing despite, you're insulting the grace that He's offering. It's not a certain word. It's not suicide. It's not divorce. It's when the Holy Spirit, the last witness, offering you salvation comes and you reject Him. Jesus didn't get quite so serious until they rejected the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, you can reject me all you want because there's going to be a witness after me. And that witness is who? The Holy Spirit. He says, if you say bad against me, there's still a chance. It can be forgiven. But if the last witness, which is the Holy Spirit, comes and you reject Him, 
it cannot be forgiven. Preacher, that's terrible for them. That's terrible for them. Hey, hey, how about us? You've come and you've sat in this church, you have sat in this building, and you have heard the gospel over and over and over again, and the Holy Spirit has tried His best to woo you and show you you need Jesus, you need His salvation, you need forgiveness, and when you turn your back on Him, you're insulting the Spirit of grace, and that cannot be forgiven. You know why? Because there's no other way. There's no other step. There's no other hope. There's no other fix. There's no other way of missing hell than by the gift that's offered by the Holy Spirit. I don't know about y'all, but if I wasn't saved and I've been in the habit of saying no, today's the day. There is no way I'd leave this building without Christ. Because here's the sad part. One day, he's going to quit asking. The Bible says, my spirit shall not always strive with me. And the word strive means to, to attempt to convict. To attempt to convict. To try to convince, Mm -hmm. there'll be that day. Let me say this, and I don't like doing this. I'm telling you, man, matter of fact, I just, I hate talking like this. Because I hate thinking anybody's going to miss out. My father had someone that was coming to church back when he was pastoring in Florida. And he was under such conviction Every single invitation, he would grab the back of the pew and man, you could see the white in his knuckles because he knew he needed to be saved. He knew he needed to be saved. And the Holy Spirit was drawing him and the Holy Spirit was convicting him and the Holy Spirit was trying his best. And man, he would grit and dad would beg. Dad would beg and he would plead and he said, please come to Christ. Please come to Christ. And then after a few weeks of deep Holy Ghost conviction, Dad gave the invitation, and this is his own testimony. He looked out, and the guy was just stone-faced. No conviction. No drawing. No, no emotion whatsoever. And boy, it broke Dad's heart. So I, I'm not going to... One day... He's going to quit asking. One day he's going to accept the last no from you. And according to scripture, you've insulted the spirit of grace. And that can never be forgiven. Preacher, I don't want to commit the unpardonable sin. We'll come and receive pardon. And all God's people say it. Thank you, bro. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed.